You're listening to Back to the Manual by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com. You're listening to Tea Drinking by Sean P. Keenan, found at getting to... You know what? I'm a tea drinker. You want to make something of it? I saw that snicker. Since I became a Christian, I've heard this thing everywhere, and that is that, that God is still the same God he was thousands of years ago. Christ is still the same Christ, and the Holy Ghost is still the same Holy Ghost. And I can believe this. It's I was listening to an expert recently who said that he benchmarked human time versus God's time, and where human time and 80 years of human time is one hour of God's time. And I as as the person who was once the little kid who thought five minutes was an eternity, and then later on thought in high school that six months was an eternity, and then now I'm 45 years old, and I feel like 20 years is nothing. And I know the older I get, the, the faster time is going to seem to go. And God's pretty old. Now, you start a company, right? And you you take six months to a year to build a business plan, 24 hours of 25 hours of human time later, you're not going to change your policies. You might tweak them a bit, but, you know, also God happens to be perfect. If he's going to lay out a policy, he's going to nail it the first time and be done. So after a day of godly time, is is, is Christ going to change his policies? Is God going to change his policies? And no, would, would, would Jesus, if he has the extra cash, is he going to... Is he going to buy the expensive stuff and pamper himself, drive the high-cost convertible top-down, maybe some $100 jeans and a high-rated names on the sunglasses yelling, Daddy's hit the big time! No, he's he, he would buy the less expensive clothing, the practical car, and take care of it, keep it for a lifetime, and then use the difference to feed someone who's tortured by starvation. And I did say tortured. And I've got personal experience with this, so I know what kind of torture it is to starve. So in a day of God's time, he's Jesus is not going to go from the guy who gave his life to cover our ignorance to turning vain and promoting self-image as a, like, a, like it's a cash cow. Proverbs 13.24 Quote, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Unquote. Is it chasteneth or chasteneth? I don't know. But basically, it means that if you love someone and you're in a position to teach them through discipline, you don't keep them from the truth just to protect their comfort. So I say this with love and respect for for why people want comfort. I I. I get it. I totally get it. I mean, life is incredibly hard, especially when you're a Christian who's actively trying to get closer to God, and especially when you're a leader who's actively trying to bring people closer to God. So I, I totally get the need to to be like, oh, maybe I can just you drop this one piece of policy for a little while or a lifetime. And, and you know, like just change the manual for a bit, you know, but there's a truth in, in, in trying to do that. And 
I've been to churches across the country. I've I've listened to countless, absolutely countless sermons online and in other places. I've repeatedly different listened to different types of Christian music and and researched until my eyeballs wanted to fall out. I've I've read the Bible in its entirety and not only in, you know at least two two different versions. Most important to me being the King James, but and and then I've gone back over it time and time and time and time again, at least twice a day for a long time. And, I, and I've found a truth that there's a biblical version of Christianity and then there's a more modern version of Christianity. In the biblical version, it's it's pretty simple terms. You know, you, you don't kill, you don't lust, you don't... You don't defile your body with drugs and chemicals and alcohols. You don't you don't give in to addiction. And there's a lot of other stuff that the manual says. And then in the modern version of Christianity, it's it's frankly, honestly, a little disturbing. In fact, it's quite disturbing. Let me just be blunt. It's disturbing what looks like the rewriting by people of God's policies. And again, I understand it. And again, I say this with love. But there's a difference in the basic philosophies and the models between the biblical version of Christianity and the modern version of some of the more modern versions of Christianity. And in the biblical version of Christianity, it's it's God is always right. And in the modern version of Christianity, a lot of it, it's the customer's always right. And in God's version, it's it's come as you are, we accept you, I accept you, but adapt to the ways that that we are built to live so that our lives get better. In the customer is always right version, it's come as you are, stay as you are, and your behavior is accepted as long as you just come to our group, come to our church. And out of that love that I spoke of, I would be a fool to to sit here and try and teach you that the customer is always right model is a, is a philosophy that belongs in Christianity. It's not. It's a business model. And it's one we use to gain money and customers. It's, you know, when you, when you have a business and you say the customer is always right, it's because you need business. It's because you don't want to turn people away because you might get some bad word of mouth or whatever and you might not get return customers. I can't do that. I, I can't tell you that it's okay to accept behaviors that, that go against the manual. I'm not here to comfort anybody about what you can change instead of helping you change it. Because I can't claim to speak out of love if I don't tell you the truth. That God's words are still God's words. And they still hold true just like a day in God's time later after he wrote them. The best thing that I can do for you or anybody is to tell you that fit with God is worth so much more than comfort, like infinitely unmeasurable amounts more than comfort. And you can choose long-term sacrifice with short-term reward, or you can choose the opposite. You can turn, you can choose long-term reward with short-term sacrifice. You have to go back to the manual to do that. Exodus 20, 3 through 4. 
Quote, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. End quote. Why? Buddha was a spiritual leader. He died. Muhammad was a spiritual leader. Confucius was a spiritual leader. Jesus was a spiritual leader. They all died. There's only one of them that stands out. There's only one of them that filled something like 300 prophecies that were told in the manual to life before Christ came along. He rose from the dead. The other ones did not. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And, and before you sit there and think that's a fairy tale, there's a lot of proof. So you want to know this? Go back to the manual. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, quote, There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these, these things are an abomination unto the Lord, unquote. Why? Um... There's a big difference between wit, things like witchcraft and Wicca and other practices like this and God's power, prayer, healing, things like that. In my own research and also in talking to people who have practiced Wicca and, and I've known people who practice witchcraft and things in my time and I've even dabbled, you know, every kid's got a Ouija board at some point in the 80s and that sort of thing, but... There are a lot of things that go on with things like Wicca and witchcraft that are not advertised on the package. They're not God's power. God doesn't need you to manipulate a little energy over here in the woods or manipulate something to make yourself feel better. He doesn't need you. He has already figured out the plan. He knows where everything goes. He knows how to heal you from certain things like depression and that sort of a thing. If you trust him, if you take leaps of faith... There are ways to do this through God's power that you don't need to go against the manual. And, and I've done a ton of research. I've talked to Wiccans. I've, I've known people who claim to be witches in my life. And what I found is the same basic story for anybody that actually gets into it. A lot of people get into this because they want to do good things, like I said. And it's like they want to continue to do good things. And they don't realize that what they're doing when they're casting spells is is they're calling on unclean spirits and things like that to to do things for them and those things expect a return on their investment and eventually that comes back around and you I, I, i've i've known about many people that have had even demonic experiences after a while and then they can't figure out why when they like start casting protection spells when they're having these experiences it doesn't work it makes things worse it's because they've come to collect you want to avoid consequences like that? You go back to the manual. 1 John 4, 1. Quote, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Unquote. In other words, there are a lot of modern ministers and so-called prophets and churches and things that are misguiding people who truly want to get close to God. So don't take anybody's word except God's. Go back to the manual. You want to get closer to God, have more responsibilities, you, you be more rewarded, 
You follow the guidelines written in the Bible. That's why they're there. Your spirit is not something you take into a store and, and custom fit what makes you feel easy. You don't go to the church to edit the Bible. It's God's word. You go to ministry, you go to church and things like that to, to learn his words, to adapt to them, not to change them. And I know there's comfort and pleasure in doing that. I've done it myself. Am I, am I perfect? Nowhere near it. I have a lot of things to work on. And to get to where I am right now, to where I am as blessed as I am right now, and, and no matter how hard life gets, and it gets really hard, going back to the manual has, has brought me some peace and some, I mean, I've got these moments where I'm happy and I'm, I'm filled with joy. I've got moments when I just feel awful, but I hang on and I've got good reason to because I go by the manual. Now, I've done it in all different ways. I have tried the ways of evil and doing things to hurt people to try and control my way out of bad situations. And it's not good. It's, it doesn't work. I've, I've gone to therapists and counselors who were outside of the Christian community and they've had solutions and things that never, they, you know, you slap a temporary bandaid on things, but it never really fixed the problem. Because God is always trying to turn us back to him and he'll give us consequences that'll do that. And, and if we're not listening and we don't get that he's trying to get us to turn away from things like sin and, and wrongful behavior, then we don't understand where the solutions to our problem lie. That's why I call it the manual to life. That's why I call the Bible the manual to life. Because 2,000 years later, which is basically only a day in God's time, you can still find, you, you can still find answers to strife. You, you may not, you know, I don't covet my neighbor's donkey because you know, even though my neighbor might be something of another name for donkey, he doesn't own a donkey. So that doesn't apply, right? But you don't cover it. You don't cover it. You don't covet. Excuse me. You don't covet his wife. That still applies. I don't covet his car. That still applies. I don't slander my neighbor if he makes me upset. That still applies. And you, you, I've, I've had all these moments where I'm just like, I, ooh, I'm so tough. I know what to do. I've got the glory. I've got the power. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way to work through this. It never worked. It never worked. It slapped temporary band aids on it, but it was always like Wicca and witchcraft and things like that. It was always followed by a consequence that was designed to turn me back toward God. So the only time I've had like permanent, lifelong, deep fixes for things was when I call on God to fix me and pull the bad things out of me. And then I go to the manual. I go to the manual. I learn how to do it. And boy, let me tell you, oh my, wow, things change. So I had to drop my pride. I had to drop the... Well, here's a quick fix over here. That's, that looks good because I am desperate. 
I had to drop moments like that. I had to stop trusting myself to have the answers. And I went to God and I went to Christ and I went to the Holy Spirit and I went to the manual. God will give us the consequences for what we're doing wrong. And I know that life gets a lot better when we break sin. And both of these things are because of love, because of, because of God's love for us, this, this immense, unmeasurable, un, almost unfathomable love. And you can find that in the manual, too. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Back to the Manual by Sean P. Keenan, found at gettingtogod.com.